0: There was this awful negotiation. We, 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 we came forward, said so we wanted to buy the newspaper that we had created, but, and they were willing to sell it, but with all these strings attached. We ended up walking away, and it was very dramatic. They told us they were going to bury us, and we in six weeks, we started seven days. From Vermont Center for Emerging
1: Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today we sit down with Paula Routley, co-founder of Seven Days, Vermont's beloved independent weekly newspaper. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber. And
2: Dave Bradbury.
1: Recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hi, Paula. Hi.
2: Paula, I'm so stoked you're here.
1: I'm Two for two. I got Paula to do Female Founders and now the podcast. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, Gold medal.
2: (laughs) Like literally no one gets that. So um, thank you for placing your trust in us and willing to share a little bit about your journey.
0: Oh, absolutely. And this is our one week off of the year. where We aren't actually putting a newspaper together. So the timing Uh, is perfect.
2: So had there actually been snow on the ground and something worth snowshoeing or cross-country skiing, you would have canceled? No. Okay. Of course no not. All right. No. I've,
0: I've skied to work a few times. Oh my
2: gosh. So, so Vermonty.
0: Hopefully we'll get back there one day. Yeah. I
2: snowboarded down College Street once.
1: And in college. That could be dangerous, actually.
2: A lot about those days were dangerous, but that was that was a fun <laughs> one. So all right, Sam, let's get to it. It's amazing is
1: you've made it this far. All right, Paula. Let's just talk about life before Vermont. Tell me about you as a kid.
0: What were you like? Um I would say it was enterprising. Yeah. Um, My parents were, they had this, um, their greatest fear was that we'd be spoiled. Mm. And so um, they instilled this work ethic uh, early on. It was like anything I wanted I had to basically pay for or pay half. So, um, you know, from a very young age I was trying to find ways to make money, which was, uh, must have been... Um, alarming for the neighbors. But, you know, I wanted a bicycle, I have to come up with 60 bucks or bicycle, better bicycle, you know, whatever, whatever uh, the, the um, half the price was. And so I was, you know, selling Christmas cards door to door in the summer um, alone uh, as a kid. And um, Hold on, who buys Christmas cards in the summer? People who you feel, s- must have been very persuasive. People who, who feel sorry for this little kid who's no, who, who like needed ra- a bicycle. Ringing right? the doorbell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember like dragging a wagon around with, you know, junk from the basement and trying to sell that. Um, but it was, you know, and it, as I paid for these things, I was taught like accounting, like basic accounting. You know, payment, the balance gets smaller and smaller. So I do think that was. Um, uh, I mean, at the time it was annoying, but now I appreciate it.
1: Uh, yeah, but it felt like an, a little bit of an overcorrection on their part. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, they,
0: and it felt, I mean, it was kind of, kind of a game. It's not like we were, you know, I, they, they could have bought me the bike, but um, but it did instill in me this, I mean, a sense of agency, I guess. Like, if you want something, work for you it. can work mm-hmm. for it. And I had that from a very early age. Um and then I actually got uh, interested in ballet, and so as a teenager I was devoted to that. You know, I'd go to school, and then in the afternoon, <coughs> excuse me, I would, um, you know, do my dance studies, and it was really intense. Um, it's it's more competitive than professional sports. And there's very few opportunities, professional opportunities. So I. Um, You know, went to New York when I was 17 and and, um, was at the Joffrey School. Like, you know, there's this sort of pipeline, um, but there's a lot of people that are in that pipeline. So I um, made a decision at 17 that I was not going to do it professionally. Yeah. But it also, like, instilled, you know, this drive in me um, that has been helpful
1: not to mention just great posture lifelong which i uh, might oh, look at her in that. i chair can tell dancers right yeah. on like damn yeah i'm hunched over here
2: ballerina who's now a publisher maybe have you ever met anybody else
0: um like I, that? I do remember you know kevin mckenzie uh, of mckenzie meets he's one of the most successful male ballet dancers in the in the world what yeah most people don't know this my um, god I think he back he and, and and made Came back to and you know had a presentation here and said, um, you know, if you want to hire a good employee, hire an ex ballet dancer. Uh, yeah, well, it's They can handle pain. They're committed. Exactly. Right? And Dave perception. and I also
1: it's, like hiring bartenders or like retail oh. workers because social. Again, yeah, yeah, social work it, hard. It can
2: deal with whatever walks through the door. Totally. Um, <laughs> Chaos. What, where did it's you true. grow up? Was
0: I was born in California. Um, we lived in Princeton, New Jersey for a while, but mainly I grew up in, outside of D.C. Got it. Okay, so in California. Maryland. That's why you can sell
2: Christmas cards in July because <laughs> <laughs> there's not like a snow Maybe. change of season thing. Okay, Maybe. I get that. Um,
0: and you're a mid-kid. Yeah. Right? You went to Middlebury. Um, I went to summer camp in the Adirondacks. Um, and that was the only thing that I did that wasn't ballet. I was really – I love this area and – when I came to visit Middlebury, looking across the lake and see, seeing where I went to camp was a big selling point. I also really like languages and um, mm-hmm. all of those things. You was, know,
1: was that like a? I'm I'm just thinking about like seventeen, eighteen year old Paula like l- deciding to leave ballet and then uh, like what was that transition to like okay I'm going to go to Middlebury? It was and, awful, yeah, I bet. It was really bad. Yeah. And I,
0: I mean, I, th- I wrote my essay, my college essay about you know. I had this dream and it didn't it didn't happen um, but I was so young It was like a strange experience to have something I wanted so desperately and basically had to give up um, but it made me you know a little more mature maybe in some ways um, yeah in other ways like I'd never been to a college dance I'd never kissed a boy I mean I was in some ways wow, and Middlebury stunted. was
2: fine being runner-up and they said yes anyway I love it <laughs> I'd love I'm sure they to didn't their see credit. themselves as a runner-up. No, not but. at all.
1: So, tell me about like what you know what what was sort of transformative about your Middlebury experience. Why did you want to stay in Vermont?
0: I loved. I mean, what I loved about Middlebury in Vermont is I was coming from a suburban Maryland um, where you know things were developing really fast. So I'd fall in love with a landscape, and the next week it would be like staked for a housing development. Mm. Um, so I loved being in a town, you know, with sidewalks and like a walkable place, basically a real community. I never we never I'd never experienced that in Maryland. And so um uh but I didn't I didn't I left Middlebury after I after my freshman year, I didn't think I wanted to stay there. And I went out west and um hiked a big chunk of the Pacific Crest Trail and went to New Zealand biking. And I thought I wanted to go to a big university out west, but then I decided, nah, I really like it. I like Vermont. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, the lands, I love the landscape out west, but um, coming back here just felt like home. You yeah. know. And it it's it feels like the landscape is meant to be inhabited. Um, so I came back. Um, came back and started um, summer school. I did Italian summer school. And that's how I got back into the it. college track. Took me an extra year, but then I went to Africa. I mean, I just—I was very had a lot of wanderlust, but I did finally finish in '83. And what, what did
2: you? What was your degree in?
0: French and Italian.
2: French and Italian. Oh. I wish I could speak either. I would have just. I know. Given you would a have, witty reply. We Honestly, can throw it
0: in there. It was. <laughs> can we dub that in? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. It was a great way to take a lot of different things in those languages, but um, you know, I. If I could could do it again, I'd probably major in something more practical.
1: Yeah, I was just talking to a friend about man. If I could go back to college now, can you imagine? Ooh, what'd you do? I I have a few different ideas I'm I'm working on. I, I assume I'll be able to do it at some point. <laughs> well,
2: now you got to give us a, a hint, right? Were your environmental studies?
1: I did do environmental yeah. studies. Yeah, I feel like I'd be a really good investigator.
2: Oh, we'll it's a murder podcast that she likes to listen to, probably.
1: <laughs> I knew I was going to get judgment yeah. here. Okay,
2: well, no judgment, just, well, I guess a little bit of judgment, right? End of the year stuff. Um, how did you meet your co founder for seven days?
0: Uh, actually, that goes back to Middlebury. She, do you remember The Alibi? It was yeah. a bar in Middlebury back when the drinking age was 18. No, but sounds like a great time. It was time. basically a, road, it was a roadhouse. Sign um, me up. Bar, amazing bar. And also, amazing
1: name for a bar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. My God. Right, yeah. And she, you know, she's 11 years older than me, which she won't want me to mention, but um, her band, The Decents, played there. Oh, cool. And so I saw her on stage, and I've written about this, but, you know, I still, I just think it's so interesting that. Someone had tapped me on the shoulder at that moment and said, That's going to be your business partner. It was literally, she was like Chrissy Hind, you know, on the oh. Pretenders yeah. here. On stage. Amazing performer. And
2: Pamela Polston. we we'll probably just say her name.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Pamela <laughs> Poulsen. <laughs> yeah. The legend.
2: The legend. Hi, Pamela. But um, I didn't
0: know her then, of course, I just saw her. So that was the first sighting. And then um, later, after Middlebury I moved to Burlington, and she was, I think she was the arts editor of the Vanguard then. And my first job out of college was at the Flynn. Flynn was just starting, so I had this great internship there, and I did um, membership, education, and marketing. Wow! Oh. And I had to learn how to do graphic design. I mean, it's just whatever they needed. I All those learned. things
2: that probably came in handy along the way it at was some great. point.
0: And then I convinced them to hire me after the internship um, for you know a job, basically the same job, but. Um, I started writing dance reviews for the Vanguard Hmm. because it was the only thing I knew anything about. So um, I was writing PR stuff for the Flynn and at the same time started writing reviews whenever there was a dance show. Um, And that's how I got into journalism. It was very unusual Hmm. because being a critic is... um, There's no one to quote. It's not like you can... Push, right, you rewind. really have to find
1: your own voice.
0: Yeah, and I had to, and the voice, and the 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 content is very, you know, there's French terms for all the movements. You have to make it accessible. Someone you know, like, like to me wants to be able to understand exactly. It. And <laughs> you didn't go to the show, you don't know what the movements are called, and yet have to make it make you want to read it. Wow. That's
2: so, did you write the Here. review when Barishnikov was at the Flynn? Were you still doing that? Or? I
0: think that it must have that must have been um, before I started doing this because he was done by then. I think.
2: I've been asked over the years like, "What's a Vermont experience? My greatest day? I snowboarded in the morning, shared a chairlift with Jake Burton Carpenter, came to work, met with a cancer research team at UVM about a startup, and that night sitting in like row eight, watching Mikhail oh Barishnikov dance at the Flynn. What I year mean, was it? I can't remember what it was yeah. an awesome moment Yeah, yeah. Like, no, literally I didn't know burned in my to, mind. I'm I like didn't, that's why I live in Vermont.
0: I should I didn't even know he had been here. Yeah. You're lucky. Not many people I Feel fortunate. Yeah, it was yeah. a
2: pretty it was magic. And, yes. I, and I'm I'm not really into ballet a whole lot um until then.
1: <laughs> yeah, Interesting. So so we worked at the Flynn you you it sounds like you picked up a ton of different skills. Tell us about the start of seven days, that was
0: 95, right? Yep. Um, Pamela and I were, so Pamela and I, our lives kept crossing in these weird ways, like intersecting and crossing. Oh, I love those serendipitous relationships. Um, It's too complicated to explain, but um, I ended up being the arts editor at Vermont Times, which was the successor publication to the Vanguard. And... Pamela was freelancing for me, so we literally switched roles. She was writing for me, and I was editing. Um, and uh, the Vermont Times was—it was sort of a flawed concept. It was supposed to be Chittenden County's community newspaper. Chittenden County isn't really a community; it has little communities within. Don't it. tell them that. Well, but, I mean, yeah. they're just—we wrote a lot about Route Seven. Um, And there was this very lively art section, but it wasn't... The the arts and the news were very different animals. And so um, Nat Winthrop, who was a publisher at the time, had this idea of splitting off the arts and making a separate publication Mm -hmm. entirely. And he asked me if I would spearhead that and... um, of course, I said yes. It was like a ma- this amazing opportunity, and I called Pamela, who is very good at um, design and, like you know, packaging. And so together we 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 created this newspaper called Vox. You might not remember this, but it was very short-lived. We loved it. Um, we it looked it was really funky and artsy, and it was all arts, of course, like zine-ish, kind of, yeah. Um, and the calendar was in there, and we felt like it was our newspaper because we had designed it and conceptualized it, and um, and so we were selling it. We were out in parking lot, you know, uh, shopping center parking lots, put shoving it in people's bags. I mean, we were we were doing much more than than writers usually do, um, and then we sort of got to sales and started nudging the salespeople, like well. Why don't you approach this record company? Back in the old days when record companies bought ads, we started thinking like publishers. You know, We realized the only way this is going to work is if we get advertising to support it. So it was all going very well until um, we found out the whole thing was for sale. So the whole, the whole company was for sale. And we had created this second newspaper for them. Um, and there was this awful negotiation. We, 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 we came forward, said we wanted to buy the newspaper that we had created, but, and they were willing to sell it, but with all these strings attached, like, you know, we'd have to, we'd have to promise to not put news in the paper ever. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> right. We would have to print with them for five or ten years. I can't remember which one it was. And, and they wanted, you know, money for it, so we ended up walking away, and it was very dramatic. They told us they were going to bury us, And we in six weeks we started seven days, did everything, raised all the money. My God! Found the office, hired the people, wrote the first issue, Um, and we neither one of us had ever been in business, you know, outside of the the Christmas card thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, hey, the it was actually kind of similar. Yeah, like basically take a chance on us. You know us. You know our names. Um, People in this community. Bought ads in advance oh, without seeing awesome. the product, which wow. is pretty sort of cool. You know, it was
2: like crowdfunding in, was. A, in a way, right? Yeah, back um, in
0: the old days, and and we knew that um, we had one shot. You know, like it, we knew it was going to be free, so it was going to be out there. And if people consumed it, we would. If people picked it up and liked it, we had a circulation. Right. And if they picked it up and never picked it up again, we were done. So
2: Wow. So I want to get to the, the why you and uh, Pamela leapt into this. Was it just a love of the arts and a love of writing and it was sort of just promoting that to, to Vermont? Or was it like, oh, wow, this is an awesome business um, and, and this is our niche to, to own something and build something?
0: We, we saw the niche. Um, maybe we didn't see it. Quite like entrepreneurs at first, um, but it didn't take long. Um, we both we identified like a cultural consumer. This is this is this was the idea, the sort of market, um, the market research to the extent that we did any for seven days. We saw that there were people who had traveled to Burlington for arts, food, I mean culture expanded beyond arts. And there are people in Burlington who would go out to rural spots if there was an amazing art show or something so we saw these this these people moving consuming culture in Vermont and there was so much of it that we were aware of um, that was our that was our customer I guess you could call it um, and businesses too were trying to attract those were the the customers that would Maybe the the venue owners, or, or the
2: the arts hosts in Northfield, or White yeah. River, or
0: yeah, so it wasn't everybody in Northfield that might be interested in buying ads. It's the destination advertiser. Mm. It's not unlike Vermont Public, um, sort of a you know educated cultural consumer. I think they they target the same. Uh, that's their listener to to some degree. Um, but I think we we were right. Um, you know, based on the, the growth of the paper. And then at a certain point, so for seven years we, we had no reporters. We Pamela and I did it. My God. We basically wrote the whole thing with seven freelancers. Years?
2: See, Sam, I I told you it could only it could be done with two and a half people it was here the same. set,
0: right? And <laughs> the hardest the hardest moment was after the first issue came out and we realized, oh my God, it's Wednesday, we have to do this again.
1: That's what I was gonna say. So it was weekly from the start. Yeah. Damn. God, that that
2: like hamster wheel never stops. And there's so a, no one there's do you take a, this week off.
0: And there's a weekend in the middle of our week, so we go to press Tuesday night. Um, oh, so right. Wednesday is the planning day, or like hopefully now you know most things are planned. But back in the old days, we we would wake up Wednesday morning and not know what was going to be in the paper the next week.
2: And you publish on Wednesday because a lot of weekend Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday
0: events. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, a lot of a lot of. Alternative weeklies that were similar to ours around the country would, would come out on Thursday, but we thought Wednesday was better because um, not everybody wants the weekend. Um, I grew up like the a good Boston compromise. Phoenix, right, yeah. when that was around. That was really cool. So many of those papers are gone, by the way. We're like the unicorn left standing. Well, we're going to get to asking you okay. why. So um,
1: Sorry, Dave. I just, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, your turn. Dave's getting a little excited over there.
0: Um remembering the Boston Phoenix. It's, right? it's exciting. It was exciting. It was, it was an amazing paper. There was something there. Pulitzer Prize winning. Yeah. You know? I just wanted to know like
1: that the first, you know, seven years when it was just the two of you, you know, and some freelancers. What
0: was the paper like? Like what was kind of the core of it? Well, I was gonna say we also had Peter Frayne, mm-hmm. who you may not remember. Um I he do. was yeah. it was we had a political column and he wrote it, and that was why News people picked it up, mm. and he told us. He reminded us every week of that. <laughs> was that intentional
2: on your part, yeah. or did he just show up and say, hey, "I want to write something"? No, no it was intentional. It okay. He had been right.
0: writing for Vermont Times and hadn't gotten along with the publisher. I mean, it's, he was a very complex and difficult person, mm-hmm. but um, we all we got along with him and. Um, I think it was a couple weeks. It took a couple weeks. He waited to see if we were actually going to be able to put out that second (laughs) issue. And then he came over. And um, it was a really good relationship. Um, He was, you know, he had his warts, but he never missed a deadline. And the column was, um, he made politics accessible and fun. And it was essential reading. And, And before the internet, it was. It made total sense. You know, it was. He'd have. He'd have a scoop, and he could hold it until. Right. It wasn't. Wednesday. wasn't
2: going on on Twitter immediately. No. And point counterpoint. Mm. It was. It and was really valuable and and
0: insightful and fun. And he, to his credit, um, he did adapt. You know, he he evolved and embraced the internet um, when it when he died in two thousand nine. But he he kind of loved the internet, um, even though it was. Um, it made his job a lot more difficult so he'd have to decide do i blog this that's what we called it then you know do we do i blog this now or or can it hold until mm. the print the print product and that i mean you know generally that 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 struggle has made publishing much more difficult sure. for not just for us but for everyone sure You're listening to Start Here, a podcast from Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies. VSET is a public benefit corporation serving Vermont businesses from start to scale. We provide no-cost strategic business advising for any business owner, regardless of stage or industry, as well as venture capital for early-stage tech or tech-enabled businesses. You can find us online at vset.co. That's V-C-E-E
2: dot c o if you like what you're hearing please help us out and rate
0: review and subscribe to our podcast today now back to the show
2: so um, your staff photo we just saw that recently can you talk about why that is and how that is I don't know built your culture or part of your culture
0: Uh, the first one I think there were seven of us they're so good they're it's cute. so fun to look back. And that's, you know, our anniversaries, it, we timed the the start of the paper well. I mean, it was September, beginning of September, so fourth quarter. Fourth quarter used to be the, the, the best business. Um, it's changed a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's just fun to, we try to find these weird locations and, um, and. It's it's nice to you know to have this physical evidence of how the staff has grown. Uh, Matt Thorson, who the late Matt Thorson used to take that photo, so he would always run into it at the last second. You could see him in the front. Um, oh. <laughs> so I'm glad we have that. We haven't done a very good job of, of documenting the history, but but the photos are good. Uh, that's good reminder. Really,
2: really uh, neat.
1: Yeah, I just I went back through and looked at them and it's it's a really I don't know, it was more powerful than I anticipated it huh. being. Like just seeing the way that your team has stayed the same in many you know regards and and changed a lot and I think, you know, sometimes we forget to do that and I don't know, I think I just it really struck me. So,
0: I just wrote a um I write these publisher notes every week and I just noted uh, three people who've been with us for 25 years, right. and there are more. Actually, I, I didn't. I didn't put them all in. And I mean, thank you for noting the uh, the photo. The photo gives you some indication of the corporate culture, which is really strong, and I think it's one of our greatest assets. Um, it's not just like it's not top down. It's you know there are leaders within the the um, the team and. And um, it's a really fun office environment. People and people really like coming to work. I hope.
1: I feel like you can't turn something out weekly when you don't have that
0: atmosphere, yeah. right? Like, well, it is like trench warfare a little bit. Totally. Um, yeah. And and you know, coming from a ballet background, it's it. I guess it's similar in a way. You're kind of you're an individual, but you're also part of this dance. You know, this bigger dance. Um, it's it's a great. Uh, I love working on a product with other people, and then it comes out, and it seems like there's no way we're going to make it on time, and Are you orchestrate so many, all that on a week weekly uh, basis. There's so many things that can go wrong, and do, um, and you know we're making it from scratch every week. It's not like you uh, you come up with a beer recipe, and then you're producing beer more and more efficiently. Right, it's it's a it's handmade, handcrafted every week. Well, you can tell for
1: sure, and it's always on the table in the V kitchen. Okay. <laughs> um, Thank you, of course. So, tell us a little bit about you, you know you talked about sort of your revenue model from the start with with advertising, but how has that business side of things evolved over the years?
0: Good question. Uh, it's it's a hustle. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is a hustle. So you know, when the reporters are going out chasing stories, our salespeople are chasing the money, um, and we have to raise enough money to put out the paper every week. It's it's very sobering, but um, you know, over the years, uh, we've I guess the overarching goal is to be useful in multiple ways. So we try to. Same, you know. Content in terms of the content, you know, we recognize there are young parents. Like, are we speaking to them? There are people in the tech industry. Are we are we doing enough for them? You know, um, and similarly, I mean, the small businesses that support us, we want to be useful to them and to to help them get their message out, um, whatever whatever form that takes. You know, so so we, it might be. Retail advertising, as we call it, it might be um, employment advertising where people are looking for employees. Um, it might be an event like the re- Restaurant Week. We, yeah, so we started tech, you know, tech Jam, tech which jam. we know
2: intimately. Yeah, um, we do.
0: You know, um, whatever people need, basically, and and that has changed over the years. Um, obviously, we have all these you know digital products, and uh, but bottom line, we we have this. We have a symbiotic relationship with the business community that we also write about, and sometimes Mm. there are creates conflict and problems, controversy. How do you handle that? Like, Uh, what's the you know? Sleep (laughs) very well. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and and, you know, I'm publisher and editor in chief now, which is both. That's both sides. We do have you know, and there's this firewall between them, but you know, I see, I do see both sides, and. It's it's a little bit. Um, the media literacy is challenging. Sometimes people don't under, like they don't they understand that the New York Times might write a critical story about something, but also have an advertisement from that company. Right. But they don't they don't like it when a local newspaper does it. Mm. Um,
2: but what? Why? I, I mean, uh, just because we're more exceptional well, than the New York Times readers? or something? I mean, or? we
0: do so. I do feel like we promote the place. Uh, it's not just by virtue of, you know, gathering all this information and we have all these free listings. And I've always said I feel like Seven Days makes this look like a bigger city than it is. You know, you look at it and like this looks really cool. Um, yeah. It's not like we are – it's not like we're doing that intentionally. It's just – The effort of getting all this intel and bringing it together. So I I do think it's a a great advertisement for the place, Um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about what's happening in Burlington or um, or what's wrong. And and I mean that should be part of the conversation. It's just it's what we do. Um, I think people. I think most people understand it, Um, but it's. You know, it's That's tough. It, it's what, even,
2: what night of the week do you like sleep well? Is it like Tuesday night when it's all done? Or
0: well, actually, when you've written something, Tuesday nights are really awful because you, uh, you often well, you and wake that. up and you're like, "Oh my god, did I fact check that? You know, is that did I go back and look at the website of VSET to make sure that I got the founding date? Like, there are things to worry about on Tuesday night. It's too late, but um, oh wow, but, what night do I sleep well? <laughs> I, I thought it was going
2: to be an easy answer. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. We do yeah. something. Really. Wrong. We walk across the street to Jay Skis and we have a, a little
0: That's celebration. That's nice. That's nice. So, it's good. Yeah,
1: yeah. And you live in the community, right? Like you're, yeah. and you know, it's your family's here, and you know, I'm sure that makes your job easier in some ways,
0: but also more difficult because there's your, there's no escaping your readers, right? They're everywhere. Yeah. my My only rule is like, don't. Pitch me a story when I'm, you know, at the Y, working out. But oh God! Yeah. I've seen th- that Oops, has happened. Guilty. Note to self, right?
1: <laughs> that that would be a day of 100 on the treadmill next to you. So how do you
2: how do you um, or what do you attribute that balancing of the things you need to talk about versus the pressures from advertisers or the model? Like, you know, you have to make those decisions and. What part of the company culture we talked about a moment ago really enforces or gives you the support the trust to to make those tough calls because they're not they' that's probably half the decisions you make
0: well I mean there are editors in place who are making decisions about stories and the um, you know the news team has its own editing team I read I read pretty much everything before before it um, comes out in the paper but I'm not. Um, making, I'm not assigning stories anymore. Um, so that's that's part of, the, a part of the of firewall. Distance, a little yeah. distance, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, as I was saying before, for, for seven years we didn't have a reporter and then um, we got, Ken Picard came in, was it 2002? And he was doing, you know, a little bit of everything. I uh, started, you know, starting staff writer. It's our first staff writer. Um, and then it was during the recession that we really started building the news team mm. when the free press, like, inexplicably just shrunk. It, it almost felt like they just willfully shrunk. Yeah. during the recession. It gave us an opportunity to to, to yeah, and your build. profiles on
2: companies have been great. We know from our portfolio of companies and, and folks here that co work like it really means a lot when they we could do tell more their that. story to, to somebody because yeah. they can use it on their website or they show their employees or people go home and show their, their partners. Hey, this is why I'm not home. Yeah. You know, and it it's sort of like <laughs> evidence rationalizing. Well, the web. tech
0: the tech sector is unique because they aren't necessarily looking for publicity. You know, the companies are looking beyond Vermont. So we have to find those people and those stories. And um, that's one of the reasons we do the Tech Jam is that stories are so compelling and nobody knows about it, you know. We'd like to do a better job of covering um, all of that, but we haven't quite found the right writer There's an it.
2: amazing podcast put out by VSAT called Start Here, which is <laughs> something you might want to check out.
1: Yeah, it is hard though. We, I mean, you're right. Like, it, I think we also all got used to like companies like aggressively looking for coverage. That now that there's this kind of shift of these tech companies that you said looking beyond Vermont that don't necessarily need it. You yeah. know, we're the ones that are reaching out. But, you know, we, in the past year, I mean, it's been around since 2005. And yeah. we literally just started doing company profiles with actually a journalism a student from Middlebury College. So, um, you know, that's been, and people have responded to that so well. And yeah. the companies are psyched. Um, you know, startups are notoriously bad at seeking that kind of coverage, but they're so psyched when they get it. So
0: they're sometimes reluctant. Um, right. Yeah. Well, you know, the last two keynote speakers, um, uh, Sarah Khalil, yep, and Rachel. Yeah, I mean, they're they're nervous to say too much because they're right at that crucial moment, and um, but that's when we want them. That's when it's so exciting. You oh, know, we, for people we to like understand. it. We're
2: investing in it. You know, with with Blaze Cypher, who's the writer, and. And some of the programs we put on because one it, it gets it's another element of founder and company training. Yeah. They get comfort, they learn how to talk, what is too salesy, right? Or so obviously salesy. <laughs> and, you know, coaching and working is like the, the formal press pressure lease stuff just doesn't work as much anymore. Right. So it's gotta make a connection. Why am I reading this? Why do I care? And that I think sets them up for as they scale and grow, um, and talk to Papers and and radios and bloggers all over the world. It it can be helpful.
0: Storytelling. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean people. It's kind of a catchphrase now, but it's it's what we do, and I still I still believe in it. Um, yeah. And even you know, even if it's an obituary, you know, we we are getting a lot more obituaries than we used to, um, and people will email and say like. I, We don't even write them, but we help. We we proofread them and we edit them a little bit. Um, But everybody has a story, you know, and it's really gratifying to be able to to tell them. Well,
2: I mean, again, you're making connections and creating connective tissue and community around arts, around employment and student opportunities, and then even remembering people like Joan Robinson you wrote up, who uh, she was at the Flynn when I was on the Flynn board for five or six years, and just, you know... What a magical moment to just read and remember. So thank you for that. It's
1: helpful too. Like you know, you all have been around for a long time here. I've been here since 2013. So there are so many people that are referenced, and I'm like, who is that? I'm like afraid to ask, right? And so you all do a great job of sort of telling the story of our community as well and kind of tying those things in.
0: Yeah. Um, Hope the archive search works for you. Yeah, I'll give it a a lot of in that archive. Yeah. That could be kind of fun. Oh yeah. It's really a
1: little deep dive. Um so, you know, I I want to address which is probably like at this point an annoying question for you, but sort of the elephant in the room, which is, you know, the future of journalism and how you are remaining optimistic with the changes that have happened the last, you know, decade and also the emergence of AI and, you know, all of those things that are contributing to massive changes in your industry.
0: Yeah. We've been like thoroughly disrupted. That's yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I was I was trying to be reflective last night thinking about you know to the year 2000 when the internet the internet just changed our business completely and uh, the you know the iPhone and the iPad came out like very close together and you know the and the the few, the failure, I was trying to think of the failures, some of, the, some of our failures were trying to create, you know, techie products mm. that were basically competing with Google. We just, thank goodness we, we didn't spend too much money on them or, or try to <laughs> for too long. But um, the one, we do, it does seem like we're fighting a lot of dragons, you know, from Amazon, you know, just the retail sector, is struggling, and um, <laughs> we have all these competitors for employment, advertising, um, the personals. There's like a, a ton of them, many of whom, many of which are gone already. Um, but we, I do think, remaining useful and accurately reflecting the community, um, being an authentic voice in the community, living here. Um, a lot of people have encouraged us to chain you know to, to do something in southern vermont or in the upper valley pamela and i both are, you know it, it's tempting but unless we had someone down there who really knew the community we we just we know it would it would look Can't fake yeah. um, and and one of the positive trends is people are starting to appreciate it's a hard thing to imagine not having media but it's happened in a few places and I think Vermont is unique in that people do appreciate local media and do support it and um, are, are doing everything they can, you know, to to keep it strong and healthy. Um, so, what I'm, so what I'm trying to say is uh, where we've lost some business, we have gained you know, voluntary subscribers, people who are giving us money. Um, uh, there's a whole philanthropic element that we didn't used to have. We never asked people for money, and the paper has always been free. Um, but in, in the beginning of the pandemic, we we felt okay about asking for help, and people responded. And that's continued. It hasn't... That's great. I was afraid, you know at some point they'd all everybody would cancel their su- super reader 2021 2022, yeah. oh god but it's just right, right. it's just they've just it's just increased I yeah. mean, it's been um so I think people are hearing that journalism needs support and um, and they are they value it and they're paying for it for, for in some cases for the first yeah, time ever I
2: really. Fortunate, and again, you always you have trust, you have authenticity, you have expertise, and 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 time and commitment. Like those are those are all things that uh, take a long time to earn. Yeah, not a lot of time to get rid of or lose. And um, you've been able to maintain that with your team.
0: And you know the paper. It, Papers, like, we're, we're not really an alternative weekly anymore, um, although we still belong to the Association of Alternative Alternative News Media. Um, we have a much bigger market penetration, much greater part than some of these urban weeklies that... Um, have, there's a lot of competition in, those, in big cities to get people's attention. And um, because the free press... Has declined. You know, we had this opportunity to become, you know, the, like the largest print circulation we'll newspaper. Call, we're we'll called thick it is!
2: It, you're like six <laughs> times thicker than anybody else's piece of paper <laughs> out there. Right? That's the
0: sound of it's the plop. newspaper. Yeah,
2: <laughs> right. I mean, that's how you judge success. So
0: it's not, it's the not su- just because it's, it's
2: a December issue either. It's not right? the
0: Sunday Times, but right. And and we're pretty happy. Hamburger
2: week, or whatever that thing is. Like, yep. I love it. No one in my social circle knew anything about it, so like really? literally, I bet you've just scratched the surface on stuff like that.
0: that so. was a little bit of a test to see um you know we stopped doing restaurant week during the pandemic, and we still feel like the restaurant the restaurants are just they don't they're not ready for it they don't have the they don't have the labor so it was kind of a let's try a little something and see how it goes and see if they if it works for them so that's a good example of um how we're trying to be helpful, useful. Hmm. Um,
2: I just thought you were pairing that up with some sort of cholesterol <laughs> manufacturer to, you know, you know, work both ends here. But
1: well, I I think that's, you know, it, you know, that's a perfect example. And your business model as well is just like your readers and your community are feel like they're part of seven days, right? And I think that's a huge piece of what's made it successful, what's made it sustainable. Um it, it feels like a representation of our community. Um, and I love that that has sort of th- threaded through what you write about, why you write about it, and the business model behind the paper.
0: That's yep, that's, that's really perceptive. And, I mean, the other thing that I think I hope it does is um, I hope it encourages people to engage, you know, whether it's going to a art show in Rochester or... Um, going to the Flynn or going to a protest or, you know, a city council meeting. It's, the, the idea is to um, show, you know, show the community, you know, accurately and and inspire people to, to, to do something, to act.
2: So, um, we have a few minutes left here for a couple questions. Um, for Aspiring or young journalists, what what pieces of advice are you sharing today?
0: Um, it's just it's the best. It's it's not you won't get rich in journalism, but everyone who has done it will say it's the most fulfilling career. It is it is such a such a great way. To engage, you know, w- with with the world, and like, you have to be curious to be a good reporter. And if you're naturally curious, it's just, it's it's a great, it's a great job. Um, you just you're just paid to learn learn how things work, and you have access that no one else has. And um, you know, there's a grind aspect to it. You have to keep doing it over and over again, but for the people who are wired that way, it's just there is nothing better. Um, I wish, I worry that 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 young people aren't going into journalism. We're not seeing, you know, the resumes that we might expect given how long we've been around. Um, and uh, I, I think it's too bad. I mean, they, they're going into whatever, you know, digital marketing, things like that. There's, um, but we do have a, a couple of really good middlebury's been a great pipeline um Sabine Pooks who's at Vermont Public now she was an intern with us you know we've been around long enough that our our alumni are everywhere they're at That's Vermont same. Public they're at digger um have gone you know beyond the, the the state and uh i love seeing that i love i love that um
1: that must be really gratifying to seeing a byline of someone that you worked with when they yeah. were an intern.
0: Mike Ives is at the New York Times, and uh, there's a couple of, couple of other ones.
1: That's really cool. So, you know, speaking of of being proud of people you've worked with, um, you know, you've been at the helm a really long time here and doing amazing work. When you think of the future of Seven Days, what what is your hope for the leadership and the vision of the paper?
0: I hope the people, um, the owners that we have. I mean, we have uh, sixteen of our employees are owners. I hope they um, can continue it. I hope you know to be able to slow down and and step back and slowly back out of the ramp. Yeah, <laughs> it just it feels like a community resource. I'm not looking to sell it or make a ton of money or anything like that. Um, I've been mentoring uh, people pretty openly at the paper and we have three owners who own 12% each, Kathy Resmer, Colby mm-hmm. Roberts, and Don Eggert. And that um, succession plan started more than a decade ago. And then in 2019 we when Pamela, Pamela sold her stock and we added 13 more people at 1% each. So, together they're 16. Um, The pandemic kind of interrupted the planning for that, but um, it's, I think it was a good strategy. I'm just not quite sure how I'm going to exit yet. That's going to be tricky, but but the goal is to keep it going and to hand it off to the next generation.
1: Yeah. I love that you started it so early and and saw that vision. And I'm sure Pamela leaving helped kind of encourage that, but I I think so many companies, businesses we work with don't want to think about that or wait too yeah. long or Oh I yeah saw it
0: very early on. Like, yeah. And saw the leadership I saw that there were leaders yeah. coming up. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and and you know, because it's not the most lucrative business, um what's gonna keep them he- Motivated what's, what's gonna engaged. keep them here. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, I wanted people them to have a sense of ownership. Um mm-hmm. I think everybody does at Seven Days, um, but you know, having that piece of paper is is nice. Yeah. Well, again,
2: think like an owner is what we want everybody to feel like in an organization, and we've known and worked with with Kathy Resmer for a long time on Tech Jam and all the rest. Like, we're thrilled that technology is a word word that's used. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just from our lens, right, which is exciting and uh, hopefully brings a lot of promise and opportunity around Vermont. So. Wow, Sam, we could go on and on.
0: I know, right? There's one thing I want to say, which is, I wish you guys had been Please. around when we started, um, because we didn't. We assumed rightly, I think, that no bank would give us a loan. Um, this business is so volatile, um, so mm-hmm. we borrowed money from Middlebury friends. I mean, there's a yeah. bunch of people, but the biggest oh, cool. loan came it was a loan came from. Um, two people I went to Middlebury with and you know we asked I remember the ask going in and asking your friends for money um, it wasn't that much we started the paper with $68,000 and um, paid it all back in three years at 5% damn that's pretty it good. I like didn't really expect that you the to fact that this she remembers
2: back. like the number, the rate, oh, yeah. the duration, the rate. like that. Yeah. That's the, the sort of hustle mentality that you got to have on a founding team.
0: Yeah, um, but the the only advisor we had was Angelo Lin, who yeah, um, is a publisher Angela, of the yeah. As an Independent, and he was just it was just the right amount of, you know, he he didn't scare us, but. He picked up the phone when I called. So if I said, you know, I might call and say, what is workers comp insurance? <laughs> I don't think we have it. Amazing. He's like, oh, well, aren't you glad you haven't been paying for it? That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um you know, too much instruction can be daunting, but um but just enough would have been I mean, it, it would have been helpful to know a bit more <laughs> before we started. And it feels like that ecosystem is much more has evolved a lot, um, the startup ecosystem, and and I'm I'm glad. Yeah, I mean it's it from our lens
2: it's humming. Right, we're busier than ever. Over 300 people meet with us one on one a year. We and, and I don't know. We, we just feel so uh, I think uh, humbled and and appreciative that folks place their trust to come talk about really vulnerable or exciting moments in their life and work with them for a day or for literally 12 or 13 years now, some of these founders.
0: And I think Vermont is a great laboratory for startups. I Mm. I think it's a great place to start a business because it's small enough that people know you and are rooting for you, but it's big enough that you can do some business. Um, Our business is not really scalable like some other people's are. Um, And it's a small place. I mean, you... You, density you, in the you population. get to the point yeah. where, you know, and I find like, I kind of wish I wish there were more people here. Um, <laughs> personally, maybe not. not, but as a business, you get to yeah. a point as a business owner where you realize, wow, there's yeah. really not a lot of people here, and we're right. doing Only this. so many
2: tickets for all these events yeah. or, or donors. Yeah. and Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the tenacity is there, right? You uh, Turns out you weren't buried in six weeks. Exactly. Nearly yeah. thirty years later. I was... love.
2: I love that you remember that. Oh, so, I remember that. I mean, I've had people say things to me personally over the years that I'll never forgive my third grade teacher for something he said, and, and that's been motivating. And well, one thing I learned is telling he... him to go piss off at one point was really validating for me.
0: Yeah, don't say that to anyone else because it's very. It can be very motivating in a positive or negative yeah,
2: yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> it was negative energy. Clearly, yeah. I'm still working out, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah,
1: do, do you guys have some more time for Dave to talk uh, off air? <laughs>
2: yes, sure thank you for the therapy here. Um, oh my God, I have more questions and stuff. Okay, if you weren't doing what you do today, what would you want to do as a career?
0: I think I'd want to be a therapist. See? Well, you are. You just got Perfect. me to talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I really love, um, I love strangers. I love, um, uh, you know, I, I am naturally curious and uh, I'm the person on the plane you know, who strikes up a conversation and then, you know, eight hours later the plane lands. I just, I love cool. talking to people. Well,
2: let's build an app and maybe you can specialize in um, therapy for journalists.
0: maybe certainly.
2: <laughs> right, there's probably some there's unique that, aspects of that and do it digitally, so. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, it's just another form of storytelling, I guess. But I also love, um, you know, turning the story into something that other people want to consume. Mm-hmm. So that's therapy that that's doesn't happen in therapy but so listening to the story and then trying to turn that into a tale that is going to hold the attention of someone else
1: Oh great. I yeah. think we need you to advise some of our startups <laughs> who are trying to pitch. Don't build me a watch, tell me the time, you know. Yeah. Some people are better than others at yeah. it. Yeah.
2: Again, but you know, we it, the bar to like come talk to a, a venture capitalist or a you know a, a facility with people in a you know a, like ours is pretty nice and or Hulas or 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 some of the others it can be intimidating and you know we've we've had to work really hard to change our language and approach basically it's come as you are with what you got we don't care don't pitch us we just want to talk and and that's really made a difference over the last couple of years and you know well, hopefully there'll be some really neat scalable companies out of that but at minimum there may be a little of uh, business you know therapy business <laughs> advice connection that, that results so that's all good totally Sam you want to do the outro you've um, never done it
1: well I, I'd like to start with the magic wand question if you don't mind Just don't forget oh, Shut. yeah okay if yeah. you had a magic wand and you could change one thing about Vermont
0: today what would you change Um, it's kind of obvious, but, uh, the housing problem, you know, my, our employees can't afford to live in Burlington, uh, you know, the the city that they are covering and they certainly can't afford to buy in Burlington. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if the answer is to just build more housing, but I think, um, I know we're not the only company saying this, but it's, um you know we we hire someone and then we we start emailing like does anyone have a you know yeah mother-in-law finished basement yeah yeah an, an ADU that that's open um, and it's just it's really an impediment to economic development but and in our case like you know covering what's going on here properly um like i say i, I don't think it's just a matter of building more it's a matter of you know, cracking down on bad, bad landlords and maybe looking at Airbnb regulations and um, making it easier to to build an ADU, that kind of thing. But um, we, we definitely are feeling it. Um, and it's, yeah, you know, I've got people who live in, we have a reporter who lives in Marshfield. Um, wow. She gets a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah, I bet. There. But, you know, it's a long way to drive in for meetings and just... Makes it really difficult.
1: Yeah, not sustainable. Yeah.
2: Okay, thank you. That was awesome, <laughs> wasn't it, Sam?
1: The best. I, I could talk here for hours. Like,
2: I think this is our last taping for the this calendar year. I and bet it what is. A, what a <laughs> awesome it looks like you ready to, to, <laughs> I'm ready for the snow to fall, but it's not about me.
0: What's the winter term course that you're teaching?
2: Middlebury Entrepreneurs that Sam and I, in, I guess, instructs, the word we use. Yeah. You uh, didn't have that and when I was there. No, it, it's been around, I don't know, probably close to 15 years, 13 years, and we're now in year 11. And what do we have, 20, 20 students showing up?
0: Around eight, yeah, 18 to 20. It, is yeah. it a course or is it yeah. in addition to the course? The course that It's
2: a J term course. It's actually in the syllabus, so they, this is a, they pay tuition to attend That's this great. course. So it's really fun to.
0: You know, when I was there, um, I'm reading Dante, you know, it was very scholarly and I loved it, but I'm glad that they're just offering some more practical I think coursework. that's
1: why, why our course appeals to a lot of sure. them. It's so yeah. different than anything they do. And yeah. they're, uh, I mean, they're all way smarter than Dave and I, and it's humbling and, and fun to learn from them as well.
2: Yeah, really, it's an, they can be fearless, learn those skills that you learn, carrying your wagon, trying to sell Christmas cards in July in California, which I love. Um, and, and often, you know, every year there's one or two that actually form up and become companies that, that you know, give them their first chance oh, at yeah. ownership and, and growth. It's really a neat opportunity. Um, and we can say the word entrepreneurship on campus, which, you know, I couldn't do that six years ago. All right. This has been Start Here a podcast, sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series is supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. All right, Sam. Let's go have a happy new year. Thank you again. Thank let's you. Go, Paula. Let's go make stories.